0: Hey, this is Homer Hargrove, I'm the pastor of Gravetop Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. Like the worst jokes to say, like, right, it's like, just, I don't know why, it's like the devil or something. Welcome to Gravetop Top Church, I'm your host, Homer Hargrove. Um... <laughs> Sorry, it's just I can't get bad jokes out of my head. Like, not, not like uh, dirty jokes, like just not good jokes. Um, but we are going to just go ahead and get into our message today. We are going through a series about times. And I've really enjoyed this series because I feel like um, the Holy Spirit has really just been initiating different kinds of messages for, um, for what we're talking about and how we're just really learning about the different times that we experience in life and today we're going to be talking about go ahead and pray the times where we need to go ahead and pray and even when it comes to this title go ahead and pray at first it's just going to be like prayer like something just like real simple but i really felt like more inclined that in this time of our life in our world we really need to just go ahead and pray we we make prayer something so spiritual to where we never really obtain it (laughs) like we we talk about prayer all the time in christianity like i mean how many times do we like send the prayer hand emoji we say praying uh bill will be praying for you and we never really end up praying have you ever noticed that like all the times that even you yourself have said oh i'll be praying for you and then you see the person next, and you're like, "Oh shoot, I forgot to pray for them." And we talk a lot about prayer, but instead of just us like going through the motions of like trying to prepare our hearts to pray, have you noticed that? It's so weird. Like, well, I need to get in the mood to pray. And the title today is like, "Just go ahead and pray." Just don't don't worry about getting in the mood. You don't need to put on, you know, Marvin Gaye or anything. You just you just go in. And pray. Um, I want to share this verse in James chapter 5, verse 13 through 16. I've been using this verse a lot lately, and I really believe it's because the Holy Spirit is just really emphasizing prayer in our world. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. I think it's obvious why I like this scripture, especially when we're talking about prayer. And there's so many, there's so many simplicities. I mean, the scripture is like really simple. Are you are you having hardships? Another version says, are you anxious? Another translation says, are you worried? You should pray. If you're experiencing any difficulty within yourself, you should pray. Are you happy? Is everything going good? You should sing praises. You should say, pray gratitude to God. And then it goes further in talking about how if you're feeling sick in your body, if you're physically uh, feeling ailments, that you should ask people at your church to pray for you. And see, I feel like we get a lot of these things halfway. Like, are we worried you should pray? It's more so like when we hit like rock bottom, we'll start praying. Like the the space in between, you're just frustrated. And you're just kind of like make little comments to God. Like, of course, (laughs) this would happen. But we don't really get into like a prayer mindset like god you can turn this around until we're like rock bottom like you're cussing in your prayers (laughs) like it's already way past that when it comes to asking for people to pray for you we can get that halfway like we may actually go out and and tell people like please pray for me i'm going through this i'm actually i'm feeling sick i I, i'm really uh, uh i'm not feeling well please pray for me See that's like the halfway point, but then the rest of the church doesn't really follow through, and we don't pray like, oh, okay, yeah, like good vibes your way. Yeah. Emoji. You see, we we need to to finish the thought of this scripture, and and I I love this last one where it says, if you committed any sins, you'll be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed, and. And I believe that we are forgiven by God. We are be- forgiven in Christ when we simply pray and talk to God and ask for his forgiveness. When it, when it says that you will be healed, it's almost like when you confess your sins to each other, when we talk to other people about what we're struggling with, you're healed of that guilt. You, you no longer carry the shame, the guilt, the condemnation. Even though God has already forgiven you, when you confess it to each other, it heals you of that guilt you've been harboring inside. That Those feelings of, that aren't from God of like unworthiness. I'm not a good Christian. I'm not good enough. All those things you're able to be healed of when we follow through with this, what it's saying. Y'all feel me? And I want us to just, re- this is really simple message today. And to be honest, most of what I have written down is actually just scripture. I, I don't have very much written in my notes of what uh, usually I've gotten to a point where I'll write out like almost the whole message to be able to keep me on point <laughs> to keep uh, but really most of today' is a lot of scripture um, I want us to talk first about self self when it comes to praying for yourself it is important to pray for yourself it we're gonna learn and talk about how we need to pray so much more than just ourselves. But even when it comes to us as believers, I feel like being 11 years a Christian now, I still feel like a baby Christian. I still feel like a new believer in what I'm learning and the way that, like I live, like, and I feel like most of us should feel that way. That I feel like the minute that we start thinking like oh, I know what I'm doing is a minute that we are really far <laughs> from actually knowing what we're doing, and. When it comes to yourself, I want to sh- say God cares about how you live and what you need to live. God cares about how you live and what you need to live. Sometimes we think it's only one or the other. Sometimes we think that God doesn't really care what I do, but provide for my needs. Or we're the opposite. God just wants me to be holy or live this way, but he doesn't even take care of me. It, it's on me to, to fend for myself. And I want us to understand that there's really two parts of ourselves when it comes to praying for oneself. And that's our internal selves. Those are our fears, our worries, our anxieties, our hopes, our desires. And when we pray about these things, it, they're all things within yourself. And the way I imagine it, just because... You know, I have to be able to visualize certain things. It's almost like these things are like blocking our heart. You feel them on your heart. It, it's even though you're, it, it's like your emotions. You essentially feel this pressure of fear, anxiety, hopes, whatever it is, over your heart. You notice that, and I, I, imagine literally a heart as a tunnel. And when we pray, you're literally moving these things out of the way, so that so that God can just like flow through you. But if you keep these things barricaded, it's like you feel stuck. Like there's, you don't, you don't know under, understand what it is. You just feel like something's there, and you don't know how to get it off your chest. When you pray, it truly helps. Just like throw those things out and give them to God. Now, externally, this is this is about like what we need to live. And God, like I said, God truly cares about how you live and what you need to live. When it comes to how you live, I'm not just talking about the idea of like being righteous or pursuing holiness in our lives. I'm not talking about just like that. I'm talking about like living with anxiety. That is how you live. God does not want us to live with anxiety. He doesn't want us to live um, with, with fears and worries. Y'all, y'all dig that? And so that's how we live. God cares about that. He doesn't, it says that In Scripture that Jesus has life and life abundantly for us, that he's given us peace in this world. And so he doesn't want us to be just in constant struggle. Uh, He doesn't want us to feel like we're undeserving or unworthy. He wants us to feel good. And and even like to, to church, like churchianity, we've conditioned church people to believe that you should never feel comfortable in God because you should be growing and if you're growing you're uncomfortable. That's like, like yes and no, like you're able to grow and feel like, uh, like feel almost like agitated within yourself, like going more so stretched and it's uncomfortable to be stretched, but you should be like more than comfortable in your faith, in your church family, in your, in your like spiritual life and your walk with God. Even when you're growing and being stretched, you have the peace of God that is, is the a simile to comfortability. Y'all feel me? And so God cares about how we live, and when it comes to what we need, there's three basic things that every person needs to live, and that is protection, provision and peace. protection, provision and peace. We usually think about like provision, like, uh, God cares about me eating." <laughs> and like, yeah, hell yeah <laughs> I love eating. Um, but God, God cares about the other provisions too. He cares about our shelter. You know, uh, something that when I first gave my life to Christ and, and and realized all that God was supplying for me, when I would pray for my food, it's, people get irritated because I'd end up like praying too long. It's like you're supposed to just pray a short little prayer just to do it. Like just be polite to God because you know be nice. And say, thank you, God, for this food, and that's it. And I'll be like, God, thank you for this plate I have to eat off of. (laughs) Thank you for the chair I have to sit in. Thank you for the roof over my head. And people are like, you don't need to be praying like that. But for me, I remember eating outside on on a curb, out of a can, with pencils for chopsticks because I stole that can of ravioli to eat. And so when I was sitting down, it was literally a, a moment realizing that I could not be sitting down. I could not have a roof over my head. I could not be using silverware. And so when it comes to provision, I mean, really expand your mind of what provision is. Electricity. Thank God for AC. Goodness. if Without AC, like it's like God is just preparing us to, for hell. That's what this earth is. San Antonio is just like a, an abusive relationship. Like one day it's, friggin 100 degrees and the next day it snows like what the hell it's not right but what i'm getting that's just sorry i'm just mad about the weather sometimes but we can pray for all of god's provisions and 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 we can ask god for all of those provisions beyond just god let me have water and bread today look i'm talking about our clothes transportation those are all things that god provides when it comes to protection we need God's protection from, from everything that we see and can't see. We, we're talking about on the road, talking about from illness, it, anything that is harmful to our bodies or even our spirits, we should be praying for God's protection. And then finally, God's peace. You know, at first glance, you might think like, well, that's not a necessity. It definitely is because we're in a world of chaos our world is broken by sin and full of chaos. Without peace, we are destined to go to the sinful things of this world to try to find synthetic peace. We need God's peace so much every single day. And it's only with that peace that we're able to walk this this fine line of Christianity. Without that peace, it it makes our lives the most to be pitied is a way that Paul explained it that if we do not have if Jesus if our faith was not real if that peace was not real then we 're the most to be pitied out of all people because we walk a, a thin line a narrow a narrow uh, a narrow gate that we go through in our lives as we walk out our faith without that peace it, it makes it super duper hard so I want to share this uh, this verse in ephesians because I really believe that when it comes to simple prayer, I, I do, I'm very, uh, how do you say, not organized, but routine. Because there's times where I feel super creative and I can pray and I'm just like, I sound like I'm, like been, like I'm a really good prayer person. <laughs> but then there's other times where I'm just like, got nothing. <laughs> I don't know what to, what to say, how to even start. And so in those moments, I love to use um, prayer, uh, prayer methods, prayer formulas to help even just like get me started. Even those of you who are on the prayer call, you may have even noticed since we started up again, I pray for, I start off by praying for the same things. I pray for the cross, the blood, the word of God, the Holy Spirit. That's how I start every time. And that's called a tabernacle prayer. What I want to show you is in scripture, Ephesians chapter 6, 13 through 17. This is scripture talking about the armor of God. It says, therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you'll be able to resist on the evil day. And having done everything to stand firm, stand firm. Therefore, having belted your waist with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having strapped on your feet, the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all taking up the shield of faith, with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take up the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. See, what this scripture is saying is that put on the armor of God so that you'll be, that you'll be ready for anything. And just to briefly explain, when you, uh, I just go from head to toe. When I pray the, the helmet of salvation, say, God, make my, renew my mind, renew my thoughts, Help me to see today with an eternal perspective. Help me to see today as a Christian. Help me to see others today with the mind of Christ. Instead of my own fleshly, bitter self, let me see others through the eyes of Christ. Put on me the breastplate of righteousness. Guard me from temptation. Protect uh, protect my heart from uh, not only temptation, but bitterness and unforgiveness. Create in me new desires that are good and not evil. Put on me the belt of truth because uh, I want your word, your truth to strengthen my backbone, to help me stand for truth, for what is real and not be tricked by the lies of this world. Put on me the shoes of peace. Help me to walk everywhere I go today to carry your peace with me. Everywhere I go, I want to be uh, carrying your presence and your peace and always be ready to share the gospel message. I want to I walk that out today. The shield of faith. Protect me hold up when you hold up a shield. It's protecting you, but you can't see what's on the other side That's exactly what faith is You are believing something without seeing it So when you are being protected by the shield of faith you Pray something like God protect me from the things that I do not see and that I cannot understand the things that I go through That I don't that I feel confused about I, I put faith in the in the space between me and that when it comes to the sword of the Spirit Strengthen my arm, God, to 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 cut down the lies of the enemy, the lies of this world, even my own insecurities and the lies that I uh, that I tend to believe. Help me to cut those things down with Your Word. And see, it it sounds like that sounds pretty cool, right? Well, that is super simple. I'm I when I first started praying that prayer, I didn't even know what I was saying. I was just like, put on me the helmet of salvation, and and put on me the breastplate of righteousness, <laughs> like. <laughs> I didn't have much to go off of, but the more I started to pray it, the more that I, under, I would understand what why Paul described these pieces. And when you pray like that, that's a great way to just pray over yourself. It doesn't take long, but you're covering your whole body, your whole self. And it's important as we're, I'm telling you, we are in times where we need to pray. We are in times where we need to pray and there's so, so much to, that we need to be guarded against, protected against. And if there is ever a time, it's now. And as Christians, I urge us to, to take this world serious and to take our lives in it serious. And the armor of God is just a really great, simple way to cover ourselves. Y'all dig that? So now let's go into the next thing that we need to pray for, and that's others. I remember being in a ministry internship for, it was a 10 month long internship, really extreme. Um, It acted like a seminary. Right now they're going through, uh, they're defending against class action lawsuits because of like different like mental abuse (laughs) and partial physical abuse. It was messed up, but I digress. While I was in this place, there's, I remember a certain day where the director at the time asked all of these these young believers, young leaders that were passionate about God. They literally dedicated 10 months of their life, most of them right after high school to just pursue God in such an intense way, a very hands-on active way. And I remember the director asking, how many of you pray for others during your prayer time? And I remember just about me and four other people raised their hands out of about a hundred. And you're talking about, I I just got to church, okay? That was like my first church experience. I didn't even know what I was doing. And all those those young people, most of them were raised in church. And what that speaks to me is that we as churches have not shown how important it is to pray for others. That is actually the that the whole mission of the kingdom is others. There's a scripture where Jesus said, Seek first a kingdom above all else, and everything else will be added to you. What is the kingdom? Is people. And this quote that I'm gonna share, I want to it's I'm gonna just prep you that it may seem aggressive at first, it may seem dramatic. But it's because I really want this to be impressed on your heart. And I'll be the first to say that I've been embarrassed plenty of times by what I'm about to share. You should feel embarrassed if you haven't prayed for other believers this week. It's really simple. Again, I'll be the first to say that there's plenty of times that I've been embarrassed. And when I'm saying embarrassed, I'm not saying ashamed but I'm saying a, a type of feeling to where you, you feel like you knew you ought to have done something, but you didn't do it. And when I think about different tragedies in, that have been experienced in life, the moments where it was like an extreme tragedy, and then there was like a victory at the end, and there's been moments like that to where I've seen the victory that like the, the miracle happen. And I look at the situation and I look back like I didn't even pray for that miracle. And I feel embarrassed by it. And and there's been other times where the miracle didn't happen. And then I see all the distraught, the distress, and I think to myself, I didn't do anything to help that. And and I'm I'm invoking us as a church, as people. Again, this is not any type, any type of shaming or anything like that. What this is is like a reset mindset for us to realize we have so much power within us that we've withheld. There, there's so, think about just our lives. Our lives are jacked up, right? And if, how, much, how much comfort would it bring you to know that there's other believers praying for all of your mess? How much strength would you feel? How much comfort would you encouragement would you have if you knew that there's a church praying for you and what you're going through? See, that would, that would encourage anybody. But in order to create that kind of lifestyle, that culture, we have to see ourselves as as people, as tools to make that happen. We need to start praying for others. I want to share... This verse in Ephesians chapter six, this is the same chapter that we talked about the armor of God. It says with every prayer request, uh, prayer and request, pray at all times in the spirit. And with this in view, be alert with all perseverance in every request for all the saints. And pray in my behalf that speech may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. This is Paul telling the church to pray for him. Paul's like like a superstar in our faith. I'm talking about the guy that wrote 70% of the New Testament. I'm talking about somebody that, that planted churches while before he was trying to destroy the churches having such a radical change that he's just like literally passionate changing the world by what he's doing for christ and he's saying please pray for me in fact pray for me that i would be bold and speak when i ought to speak when you when you learn more and more about paul is like he doesn't need anyone to pray for him he's got this See how, he's when he's in the scripture, he's like desperate saying, pray for boldness for me. Pray for strength. What he's showing is that, while others may see the the Instagram story of how everything's great, for Paul, he's saying, even though I may look strong, I am weak. Even though it may look like everything's great, everything's falling apart. And I need you to pray. And saying pray for all the saints. When it says pray at all times in the spirit. You know, some uh, some theologians say that it's saying to to always be praying in tongues all the time. But when it says in the spirit, I feel like it's almost like a mindset of just being in prayer. Like, just like a mindset to where when things happen, you're, you're just already like in your head praying. It, it's equivalent to when you're showing up at the grocery store, you're showing up to HEB, and just in your mind, you get into this mindset of prayer. Like, God, come on, help me find a parking spot. God, help me find a parking spot. And it's just like you're in this mindset. And once it's there, it's like, look at God. And we we get in the moments, that was supposed to be funny. I was too serious before, right? It wasn't a good transition. Uh, But we get in moments where when it's like something trivial that matters to us, we get into that mindset of prayer. We're not audibly praying out loud, but our mindset is in prayer. Like, God, what do I do right now? Well, it's urging us to just have this mindset of prayer for others. Go beyond just ourselves. and In order to pray specifically for other believers, it requires you to be connected enough to know what to pray for. I think that's why it's often hard for us to pray for others is because we don't know anything about them. The only others that we end up praying for is like our immediate families because we know what they're going through. But imagine if we could actually know what to pray for for the people in our church. If we paid attention enough to know what to pray for in our city. And just as like a general idea of when it comes to how to pray for others, really it's like good health. That's something, everyone needs good health, right? See, that is a strong thing to pray for our fellow church people for. God, I pray that you give the people of Grave Top Church good health. Keep them from all sickness, and I pray just good health and mind and body for them. A step further, healing. Bring healing over people, that anyone that's sick, anyone that has family members that are sick. What about protection? What about justice? How many of us have gone through just... Uh, times of betrayal, times of hardship, times where we're literally having to go to court for, to, for our kids. I mean, talking about pray for justice, pray for mercy. We have to go. We need that. Pray for guidance. Everyone needs guidance, right? Pray for inspired hope. How many times have you felt defeated in your week? Wouldn't you love if someone was praying for for just inspiration of hope in your life? What about encouragement, strength, boldness? See, those are all things each of us need. And we have the full capacity to be praying for each other for those things. Not only within our church, but believers abroad. And I want to I want to take a moment to say that my heart has been really Burden with with the believers in Afghanistan right now for those of y'all who don't know uh, and, and in no way and i'm am I projecting like political opinion at all I'm talking about simple facts of there's people in Afghanistan where the Taliban is going door to door checking people's phones to see if they have the bible app and killing them if they have it you're talking about being faced with real persecution not someone laughing at your at your facebook post that you're being spiritual about i'm talking about like real persecution and i i've been perplexed in myself how would i handle that how would i handle someone coming to my door and demanding to know if i'm a christian or not my first instinct would be freaking shoot (laughs) him Like, like, attack, defend. <laughs> but then I think, how would that perpetuate the gospel message? And I feel conflicted. I feel so conflicted of what to do. Because it's a stronger testimony to, to be willing to lay down my life for the gospel than to be willing to, to kill for my own life. That's why when Jesus told Peter, those who fight by the sword, die by the sword. Because you're dying by the sword, not by the gospel message. You, and that's a, it's a difficult pill to swallow. I mean, I'm a fight, I'll fight people for my family. I'll kill someone for my family. But to think like, would I, it doesn't work for the gospel. Would I kill someone for the gospel? <laughs> it doesn't work that way. And you're talking about people that are facing real persecution. And I feel like we are so sheltered in America with the church. All of our church services are about just like becoming the better you. It, it's, it's not about like real faith stuff. It's just like a couple like taglines onto like an encouraging message of how to be a better entrepreneur. And I want us to just take a, a, a moment to take a step back and think about the persecuted church abroad. Think about the people in Afghanistan, what they're going through. Talking about people that are so desperate to escape that they're throwing their babies over barbed wire fences just out of desperation that someone would catch them, that a soldier would catch them and take care of them because they don't want them to suffer by the Taliban. And I want us to to take a, a sobering thought because I feel like American church culture we've taken on on like this undertone of where we're really detached from things like that. We're extremely detached from not only persecution, but just like war. And I want, and and when it comes to Christian persecution, we often have like this mindset of like, well, Christian, that's, that's revelation. Like that, the Bible says we're going to be persecuted. And we kind of just like throw our hands up saying like, well, like, that's just bound to happen because it's the end times. You know what I'm talking about? It's like this undertone of like, there's nothing we can do. It's like, that's that's the Antichrist for you. I want to share this scripture. In Acts chapter 16, verse 22 through 20, uh, uh, forward, it says, this is Paul and Silas. It says the crowd joined in an attack against them and the chief magistrates tore their robes off of them and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. When they had struck them with many blows, they threw them into a prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely and having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. So he's talking about Paul and Silas being beaten. I don't know if you've ever been jumped before, if you've ever gotten into a fight before, but being beaten to where you're mobbed, there's nothing you can do, and, and you're just being pummeled. It says with rods. I mean, you're talking about rods and stones. They're being beaten. It's not a it's not a, a an experience where you're like like oh like this sucks. <laughs> talking about being afraid for your life, being desperate, just wanting it to stop. And then get thrown into a prison, no food, no water, and going into the inner prison, like deep in it, like you're never getting out, taking away all hope, and then fastening their feet with stocks. Talking about the way the stocks would be fastened around their feet to where it would make it near impossible to fall asleep. You'd be like forced to stand up, and so this is this is a hopeless situation to where. American church would be like, that's a bummer. I mean, that's what persecution is. Sucks. It's what we're destined for. So it's just going to happen no matter what. Look what happens. Now about midnight, Paul and Silas, again, near impossible to sleep, at midnight... They were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, thinking that the prisoners had escaped. The reason he was going to kill himself, because in Rome, if if a prisoner was escaped... On your watch, then your life would be taken in in place of it. So he was going to be killed in a horrific way. That's why he was just willing to kill himself. But Paul called out with a loud voice, saying, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer asked for lights, and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas, and after he brought them out, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? I want us to take away a couple things from this to understand. What God wants. With all the persecution that is promised in scripture, Jesus also promised life and life abundantly. Even though it is like we're destined as Christians to inevitably face persecution, God isn't just telling you to just die. He's not telling the Christians in Afghanistan to just die. And he was willing to shake the entire earth to loosen them out, to give them freedom. And in the same way, we should really be praying for those people in Afghanistan, especially for our fellow believers, that God would shake that nation, shake the land to free and make a pathway for people to escape, for people to find freedom, to, to find life. And as Christians, we we just cannot write off or give up on our fellow believers imagine if we did that with the petty things that we go through think about all the times that you ask other people to pray for you and it was a petty thing you're just feeling like really discouraged not not saying not to discredit your discouragement but is it comparable to life and death of course not but when it, if you were to think just for Those things that we ask people to pray for us. And if people are like, well, you're kind of like, that's just going to happen in the world. Would you feel the love of your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? Or would you feel betrayed? We are their brothers and sisters in Christ. And they are literally counting on us to join in prayer for deliverance. It should move our hearts. It should, it should Beckon something out of us. If you were to think of your if your own family was there, how would you pray? For them to get out. Exactly. We it, it would bother us. Mm-hmm. But we don't even bat an eyelash. We oh I need to pray, but I've been wanting to binge watch this series on Netflix. Like, I'm not saying that we have to stop our entire lives, but we need to make time. And we, if, if God was willing to do this for, for Paul and Silas, two people, then don't you think that God would want to do this for 10,000 people to make a way? It, it makes me also think about the time that Peter was in the jail cell. And when it seemed impossible for him to get out, God caused all the guards to fall asleep. And he just walked right on by. See, we need to be praying for those kinds of miracles to happen in Afghanistan. That that even the weapons that they have would just fail. That would not work. That the firing pins would not function. It we need to, to literally be praying for miracles like that. That 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 walls constructed to stop people from going to the airport would just crumble. That they would just fall over. We need to be praying for this. Because we need them we need to pray for protection and deliverance we need to pray god to shake that land for freedom i mean that that's just for believers that's not even getting into i mean think about all the the women all the girls that just spent the last two decades being able to get education for the very first time you know most of the women are terrified because they've been allowed to get education and now the taliban is coming and just Auctioning them off as wives. Having imagine having your freedoms just stripped away from you like that because you're a woman. I mean, we need to be praying, guys. This is serious. This is this is something that really should burden us. And as we, as I'm closing on this idea of praying for others, I want us to to not just make this like a one and done thing. I, I want us to, as a church, as people, we should. Learn how to live a lifestyle of praying for others. The majority of our prayers truly should be for others. Now the last thing is the kingdom. The last thing is the kingdom. Always pray against corruption and evil in your city and country. Let me share this scripture. This is again Ephesians 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. See, Paul is giving illustration that near all world government, has these, these spiritual forces behind them. When you think about, uh, so many times we think like, well, government and religion should be separate. Like, like, yeah, kinda, but when it comes to, to like just about every faith, every religion, government is a part of it. When you think about Israel, Israel is, a, is like the foundation of our faith. The Jews are the fathers of our faith. It's from the Jewish people that the Messiah was promised to the world. Well, the creation of Israel was a complete governmental formation. Think about it. It was a spiritual thing as well as a practical thing mixed together. God literally uprooted the nations in Canaan to supplant Israel in its place. He caused Israel to secede from Egypt. When it comes to uh, all the different times we're talking about uh, persecution in the church, it was always done by governing bodies—from the Pharisees to the Romans. To, I mean, you're you're talking about—it's always governing bodies that are attacking the faith. It, out, uh, when it comes to even um, when it comes to these spiritual forces, I want to share a scripture in Daniel chapter 9, and I, I feel like this really gives illustration of what it's like in when it comes to spiritual world and our simple governmental world. While I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my plea before the Lord my God in behalf of the holy mountain of my God, while I was still speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom had seen in the vision previously came to me in my extreme weariness about the time of the evening offering. And he instructed me and talked with me and said, Daniel, I have come now to give you insight with understanding at the beginning of your pleas. The command was issued and I have come to tell you because you are highly esteemed. So pay attention to the message and gain understanding of the vision. Let me jump to the next chapter in chapter 10. It says, Then he said to me, Do not be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and on humbling yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia was standing in my way for twenty one days. Then behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, so for I had been left there with the kings of Persia. I wanted to share these verses to to show a couple things. One this this angel vision he's having is telling him that that the minute he started praying the minute that he started. have you ever felt like it was a long time for your prayers to get answered like a long time for god to show up it says the minute the very moment that he started praying god gave the command for to for something to happen god gave a command for angels to go to make a way and it says but the prince of the kingdom of Persia was standing in my way for 21 days. This this whole excerpt is where the 20 the, the classic Daniel fast, 21 days of fasting and prayer comes from. He's fasting for 21 days, and it just so happens that for 21 days, uh, this angel was fighting with him. Daniel was fighting in the spirit, while this angel is fighting like in the spirit. But like I don't know what angels fight like, but I imagine there'd be like a flaming sword or something, like some super saiyan stuff going on. <laughs> And it says that this, the, the prince, the spiritual prince of the kingdom of Persia was standing in my way. It is showing this illustration of this like spiritual eternal kingdom that is all over the earth that, that we only get a glimpse of. You're talking about not just governing people we see, but spiritual entities that influence and, and cause things to happen when it comes to governing forces. And I'll take a step back, and even when you just look at our city, I believe that San Antonio has spiritual forces, spiritual strongholds of addiction. It is not normal for for an entire city to have such an abundance of alcoholism and meth addiction. It's not normal for a whole city to, to be so enwrapped in drugs to where it's normalized. But y'all notice that in our city, it's like, well, yeah, that's like how we were raised. <laughs> it's normal to do drugs in high school. It's normal to, it, it's just normal. Mm-hmm. Only for our city, because of the spiritual strongholds. I really believe it's it's a stronghold of addiction. And, and for us, it's like, if you're trying to think of how to pray for, like, the kingdom, pray for your city, then Look, just look at your city and, and pray, and ask the Holy Spirit what stronghold should I be praying against for my city, and, and pray. It, it's so it's so simple. Just it, you may not even think that you're doing anything, but just like in the scripture it says, the moment he started praying, something began to happen. And, and in the same way, when we start praying collectively for our city, we will see things to happen, and. When it come, you know, when I when I said in this quote, pray against evil and corruption. In no way am I trying to project a political affiliation. I don't care. I think what we can all agree on is that we would want corruption to be exposed and diminished, no matter who it is, no matter what side. If it's both sides, we we want corruption to end in our land. We want evil to be diminished and distinguished in our land. Y'all dig what I'm saying? And see, you see how unbiased that is to pray for? It doesn't matter who is running, who is in office. I could just pray for corruption to be exposed and for evil to not prevail. And I'm winning. I win like that. I don't have to be wrong. Like, well, what if I want this person that, what if I vote for this person? I want them to win and I pray against them, but they end up being corrupt. Well, I could just pray for all corruption to be exposed. See, it helps take away agendas. It helps take away uh, political ideas or insight. It helps take away even uh, just false narratives. Just pray for corruption to be exposed and evil to fall. Pray for our country to experience mass repentance. Imagine just praying for your country to experience mass repentance. You know what? I pray like things like that. I truly feel a difference in the room when I pray. When I pray for myself, I feel, okay, you know, I feel better. but when I pray for mass repentance in my country, I literally feel like a power surge through me. It's like the Holy Spirit is like, "Oh hell yeah, like, let's get this going." <laughs> it's just different. Pray, pray for leaders' hearts to be changed towards the path of God. The the Bible says in Proverbs that that God is able to change the hearts of kings. How much more mayors and and governors and, and presidents. We need to pray for spiritual strongholds to fall. We need to pray for deliverance, for freedom, and for evil in general to fall, fail, and be exposed in our land. With all that being said, we talked about three things to pray for ourselves, for others, and for the kingdom. You know, to know that God describes heaven as a heavenly kingdom. That is a, a form of government. Think about that. And I personally, I, like, if I were to lean towards any uh, political affiliation, I'll probably be a libertarian because I'm just like, get the hell out of here. <laughs> but what I'm getting at is that everything in this world, everything that the devil tries to do is a copycat of what the heavenly kingdom is. It's it, The devil constantly tries to just mimic and copycat what God is doing. Even when you read in Revelation what it says that, that the end Antichrist, that he'll have a severe wound but miraculously recover. He is literally the devil trying to mimic the resurrection of Jesus. And so it, it is not far out to realize that governing bodies have uh, have an access or doorway to corruption and evil because that is like the devil's plan to create an earthly kingdom rather than a heavenly kingdom and so we should just be really battling in prayer again it's not political affiliation we're praying for god to win like we're praying for for the spirit of god the spirit of freedom to prevail all that being said, I want us to take a moment to bow our heads and close our eyes. If you're here and throughout this message, you just feel like your heart is being being tugged on. Maybe at some point in this message, you just feel like God is just starting with you in a moment of getting serious with your faith. Of coming to a, a standstill moment to where You realize you don't want to wait till rock bottom. Maybe you're already there and you're just thinking, God, I I need to get right with you. I want to make this relationship with you real right now. With every head bowed and eye closed, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Amen. So right there with where you're at, I want you to just have a conversation with God. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is who he said he is, that he's the son of God that died on the cross and rose from the dead, that he died for our sins, for the forgiveness of our sins, then surely you shall be saved. That scripture is simply saying if you talk to Jesus and acknowledge what he did for you and make a decision right now to just say, I want to walk with you, that surely you shall be saved. It doesn't mean we become perfect in a moment. It just means that we're changing directions and we're walking towards God. You can have that prayer just where you're at. You don't need me to lead you through it. You just be genuine about it. And while you guys are doing that, if you're here, and maybe you just feel impressed on your heart, like God is just ministering to you this this a new level of prayer. A new level of prayer. If that's you, with every eye closed and head bowed, I want you to raise your hand. Amen. So God, right now, I pray that you solidify and finish the work that you started. You are speaking and you're doing a good thing. And I pray that you just invoke a new determination and devotion within us, even a passion to come about when it comes to prayer. And we just surrender these things to you in the name of Jesus. And right now, I I want us to just corporately for a moment, pray for the people of Afghanistan. And I want y'all to just join me in praying for, for people there. God, right now we just intercede for people that are stuck in Afghanistan, that are trying to get out. And we just pray for your protection over them in the name of Jesus. Lord, you shook the earth for Paul and Silas. You can shake the earth over Afghanistan and cause them to find freedom. You can make it to where they can walk right through those barricades. You can make it to where they walk right past the barbed wire and enter into freedom. And we just pray a miracle to happen over there. We pray for the weapons of the Taliban to fail, to, to even go back against themselves, that the stone that they try to roll on others would roll back on them, and that we just pray and intercede for a great glory to be seen as your people are delivered and saved. And we just stand in the gap and we pray as a church, as a people for you to bring about freedom and deliverance. We speak life over the people there. We speak life over our brothers and sisters and we speak your protection. Lord, blind the Taliban, blind them to not be able to see people walking right in front of them. Cause miracles to happen in this moment. We intercede and we pray in Jesus mighty name. Amen. With that being said, we're going to go into a time of worship. Um, And before we do, I'm going to sign off online. Thank you guys for being a part. We love you. Have a great rest of your day. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, GraveTop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the GraveTop Church Podcast.